haven't yet, go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at livingthedream506. But most importantly, keep listening and let me know what you think. This episode of Living the Dream is brought to you by AMW Group. AMW has the right tools to help you build your music career one step at a time. Get your song to the audience it deserves with AMW's Spotify playlist promotion service and work with AMW's experts to get your music heard. Check out their services by visiting bit.ly slash livingthedream10 and get a special 10% discount to their music promotion services by using coupon code AMW10. Hey, this is Brad Hargraves from Third Eye Blind, and I'm living the dream. new music got a lot of stuff going on right now all right cool well uh why don't you tell us about the new music that you're working on well so we put out screamer in october and uh played i've been playing music off it uh since since the summer tour and then even more of it uh on the fall tour uh we played even more of it we went to europe for two and a half weeks and then we did three and a half weeks around the States. And uh, the record's been really well received. So we decided to do another uh, month run next March, which uh, is what that Boston date uh, is. But uh, the, yeah, so the record's it's really pretty pretty happy with uh how how people reacted to it it's it was a bit of a departure for us uh sonically and people at first were a little confused by it and it's been really sort of gratifying to watch people um kind of come around to to the sound of it and then kind of embrace it after you know, after no, after realizing that okay, this is songwriting I've been listening to for 20 years. This is this is the the, the you know the band's values and songwriting are still firmly intact here, but they're just it's a slightly different different uh, rapping. Right. So what was the rapping paper for that is the... for yeah. a Christmas reference? Nice. Um, what was the uh, inspiration for it? Yeah, the new sound um, and everything. Uh, we started working with uh, a, we had a new guy in our band, um, Colin, his keyboards and, you know, wrote a lot of, co-wrote a lot of the stuff uh, with Steven and uh, is a really good producer in his own right. So they would get together and make these demos that really kind of put the, the songs, you know, 80, 85%. Um, brought them along like eight or 80, 85% of to completion. So like they, the songs were largely written and also 
sort of had a sonic um there's a you know there there's a uh a sonic uh how would i say it sorry my my daughter's hi honey what are you doing with that <laughs> diaper <laughs> i got two kids anyway there's a there's a there was a uh you know there there was a production there was production choices made in the demos that that, that uh, were you know final so it really that really got us a lot of, you know that made it very easy to go you know kind of percentage to the band work them up a little bit or just you know in some cases just do overdubs over them and um, we had finished songs so um that has been a really uh that's gone so well that we've actually have about seven or eight new songs already that uh, we're working on for uh recording in, in the new year so do you have plans for those songs yet like an ep or anything <clears throat> yeah we're thinking about an ep but we have a tendency to to say we're gonna do an ep and then suddenly there's 10 songs and they're like oh we'll do a full length so i'm hoping it's just an ep because i want to I think I feel like we have some really strong new songs and you know I don't want to delay um finishing those and putting them out but right. you know you never know we just we kind of, we just kind of we work organically and it just unfolds how it's going to unfold but we spent a lot of time uh on in sound checks on the last tour working all those songs up as a band so We'll uh, we'll see how they sound uh, in January when we get together to uh, do some more pre-production. Yeah, that's essentially how Screamer developed, right? Like you guys were planning on an EP, but then just it kind of built to the size of an album, and that's what. Yeah. Well, I think what we decided on a few years ago is we're not going to make albums anymore, and uh, people were like, "Oh, you're not going to." you know make new music anymore that wasn't the point at all the point is if we write one two three or four songs let's not wait to write eight more before we release those so we want to get into uh, a cycle where um we're not pressuring ourselves to make 12 songs just so we can release the two that we are really excited about right now and uh so but but having said the having said that um, we tend to, once the pressure of doing, having to make a whole album is off of us, then we tend to make a whole album. So, um, I, I think it's, for Steven, I think it's easier for him to just not have the pressure of, of writing 12 songs. And, um, but by, by, but by relieving that pressure, he ends up writing 12 songs. So, right. um, but I do feel like because we did just do a full like a screamer that we hopefully will just be doing NDP six, seven songs in the new year. Right. So the new album has a bit of a political feel I found. Is there, is that intentional? Um, I guess it depends on, uh, I mean, I guess it depends on, what you're talking about. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what song you're referring to. Well, I was just going to say like, uh, when I gave the album a, a listen, I started 
noticing little things and I started reading up on the new album and one of the things I read was that it kind of has a a feel for dystopia and like it was inspired a bit by social and political activism in the in recent years yeah well you know anyone who knows Stephen's personal politics he has a you know a very uh he's a very opinionated person uh mm-hmm. in his you know liberal views and uh you know he's 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 found that I think he was inspired to make this record to try to, to try to inspire people to sort of re uh, refine their, the fight because mm. you know when the when you know when you're not when you're not happy with the president or the direction of the country then you can, you can get it can become fatalistic you just you just get uh, there's a feeling of powerlessness and he didn't, I think he sees that and he sort of wants people to realize it's like, no, it's, it's not, it's not time to sort of just accept what we don't like here. Let's, let's, let's actually get inspired and try to fight for something that we believe in and we want to, you know, get, um, you know, let's fight for some change here and kind of like, I think we need a little pick me up right now because you know the left's been taking some blows, but it's time it's it's not time to just lie down and wait it out. It's time to like get inspired and do something about it. So I, yeah. I think I think Stephen definitely, especially with the song Screamer, I think it's that's really what that's about.
me feel the fight like a screamer. Yeah, and is that why the t- album title is Screamer? Just the same emphasis on that that theme? Um, I guess. I think I, I feel like Stephen gets inspired by certain songs. Just, I mean, it could be the message of them, but it could, could be the sound of them or um, the style of them that he just feels like maybe that encapsulates, you know, the entirety of the record, or that's what he wants the record to to inspire another so uh, i think you know for whatever reason he just he just graduated uh, gravitated towards that right so you're the band's fifth drummer did you uh you started in fifth 95 drummer? Them, right am i yeah i think so that was according yeah. to oh, for, the the internet oh yeah i don't know i don't know <laughs> i think of five drummers that would be in there before me i can think of maybe three I mean, you know, he, I was the last one to join sort of before I ended up getting signed. Right. So, you know, Steven was in San Francisco, you know, throughout the early nineties, putting this, putting third eye blind together and getting different musicians. And, uh, and, you know, it took him a while, I think, uh, a while to get that first lineup together. So, um, it's possible. (laughs) <laughs> did you know the know, band be before honest. you joined um no i just i was recommended to let's not play with the plug <laughs> um i was recommended to go uh they were looking for a drummer i guess it sounds like they were having trouble finding a drummer That's exactly this but um uh they a guy i knew um just knew him and recommended i go uh, try out and I did and uh, it wasn't in an immediate it wasn't immediately like you're in the band but uh, over the course of like four six months I just became I became the guy so um, it worked out so nice. I beat out all five of those guys. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> did you uh, did you play before Third Eye Blind? Like, were you in any other bands? Yeah, I played in a bunch. Of, I played. I mean, I, uh, I I played in a, almost every scenario you could think of. I played in jam bands. I played at country clubs. I played in restaurants. I did. I took basically any gig I could get. My whole. Uh, approach on drums is just like let's figure out how to play everything and then go go play anything and uh it was good it was a good approach because i sort of you know got in situations that were uncomfortable i had to learn how to figure them out and uh and then i was able to have a slightly different uh take on the approach to uh, the music Third Eye Blind was doing because I wasn't so locked into just being a rock drummer. 
I can, I, I could bring some other, uh, I could bring it like a, just a slightly different tangential take to playing drums. Right. Subtly. The good, yeah. The cool thing about drums is you can kind of play any style and add any flavor to rock and it, it doesn't really change the genre as long as the music still stays in that same vein. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't trying to completely change it. I was just, you know, I think some of the guys that they were working with around the time that I was joining the band, I think they were maybe a little more, you know, straight ahead in their approach. And, uh, Steven's a drummer. So he, he's very in tune with what guys are doing. And I think he did, he he always likes um, drummers to play something that's not quite what's expected in the situation. He always gravitates towards that. If it maybe it's a fill that doesn't you know end on one or something you know just a beat that's different than uh, one might expect. He, he really likes that. So, like, was the ascension of Third Eye Blind, was it as quick as people kind of saw with the age of the television and music videos and stuff? Like, was it like one day you guys got signed and then a week later, Semi-Charm Life was the number It was quickly. It was quick in terms of once we got signed and made the record and our first record was released, um, we were quickly... Uh, getting a massive radio play and being, uh, you know, exposed in, in the whole machine. So from that standpoint, yes. But, I, you know, I'm sure Stephen would tell you that, you know, he struggled for a long time in San Francisco putting that band together, putting up flyers and promoting his own shows and all the things you have to do to get a band off the ground. Right. So from, from his perspective, it was definitely not overnight. I, you know, I definitely uh, got in at the right time, you know, mid 95, we signed in early 96 and made the, you know, made the record that year and released it in 97. So that, that was a uh, good timing on my part. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What was the experience like, like from like to rise that quickly? Like how do you stay grounded in that whole experience? Um, well, I don't think you stay grounded and, you know, that's that strength at that time to not really be grounded because you're forced into all these situations playing on, you know, live TV shows and in all these places where you just have to have, or you have to summon the confidence to get it done, even if you're not ready to be doing it. And, you know, we were, we were very green as a band at that time. And as performers, just, we just hadn't done that many shows. So, you know, you just kind of have to, you know, you just have to have that swagger, even if it's not truly based on experience. So we did that. (laughs) Right. Sort of the fake it till you make it mindset. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, yeah, I was by far the, I was the youngest guy in the band and it it was uh, definitely a whole new thing for me and all of us really. Yeah. But you know, we we had a we had a lot of confidence. We really believed in the songs we had. We, our our first record was just you know, by any measure, is a is a very good, uh, great or even great record. Um, it was produced well. The songwriting's great. The playing's great. Um, so we had just a lot of you know confidence in um, 
the music. Yes. So you mentioned the machine, referring more to the music business, I assume. So yeah. we had we had a bunch of fan questions, and that's a good segue for right now because we had a guy named Brian write in and ask, the music business in the 90s up until today, do you have any dirty stories from behind the scenes dealing with the music business? <laughs> dirty stories? <laughs> um, I have more dirty stories from... Uh, I played in a couple other projects along the way and one in particular called Year Long Disaster. bounce around from just one sort of sleazy, uh, you know, record exec um, or manager to another. And just that more than anything, when I was, uh, that anything showed me sort of like the, uh, a lot of the scheming and stuff that can go on. And a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of how uh, newer bands can get taken advantage of. Because you are in such a desperate situation and you need so much help. So to me that, you know, that was more, uh, it was more eye-opening with some of these other projects that I was doing than with Third Eye Blind. Third Eye Blind, you know, the power, we kind of took the power really quickly because once you have hits on the radio, then uh, you're in control. So uh, we, we were very lucky in that regard. Right. Sarah Jashimiak wanted to know, who's been some of your favorite bands to go on tour with and why? Um, It's hard to remember them all. I mean, the memorable (laughs) ones are like being asked to open for The Stones and being asked to open for U2 and just, you know, going on on those tours and and just seeing how their giant operations worked and just trying to understand... Uh, you know, if there was some slice of what they did, or some, if there was some, some wisdom of how they approached it that we could sort of apply to uh, what we were doing. So, you know, I always, it's nice to see the, how, how the big boys are doing it and see if you can grab a couple little things here and there. Right. Were you able to meet and speak to like Bono or Mick Jagger or anybody like that and get any advice? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, U two was very nice. They let us fly on their plane from the to the from show to show, and and they were very friendly and would come hang out. Uh, the Stones was a little more of a corporate vibe, 
Um, so didn't, didn't see much of them. Right. But, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, it's one of those, you know, it's a good, another example of like, you know, when you, once you have the power and you're in control, you can do it however you want and no one yeah. really gets to say much about it. True. What was it like being on the plane, like private jets with you two? That, that sort of behind the scenes. It was cool. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, that was early on. That was part of that time where it's like, you know, it was, it was, you asked earlier, what's it like? What was it like? And my general answer is just, it's every day you wake up and there's great news. Every day you wake <laughs> up and your manager calls you and says, great news. And uh, one of those days was, I think we were over playing in Amsterdam or something. And then we got done with the show and, uh, our manager at the time came backstage. He's like, great news. You guys just been asked to open for you too. So, um, <laughs> that, you know, it was, it was quite a time. It's like a TV show. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's interesting because, you know, it, it, you know, it was like great news for two years in a row. We're talking about, you know, 730 days of good news every nice. single day, you know, and then, you know, and then, and then, uh, and then you start to notice it like, Oh, a little less good news, you know, as your career goes on, <laughs> like, you know, Oh, you know, Oh, actually, Oh, bad news. Uh Oh, okay. We haven't, we haven't dealt with bad news before. Yeah. So the, the, uh, the, you know, the overarching trajectory of your career and the, you know, the ups and downs of it become, uh, become interesting. So what was like the first bad news that you guys received that you can remember? Uh, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know. We've, We've nothing we've too faced, important. We faced, you know, person. We, I don't know. We faced we personnel issues in our in our band and stuff like that. That that was that's always never fun. You know, overall, I mean, you know, if I look at our career, it's just been it's it's it's, it's so vastly exceeded any of our well, not our necessarily, but my expectations. It, it just I never dreamt of you know where where we'd be at in 20 years i mean i moved to la in at the end of 1998 two years after our first record because i just thought our band was going to implode you know or would even be around in another year or two so um thank you uh you know to have it be coming up here on 2020 going into our well into our third decade as a band is just remarkable to me yeah definitely uh, we had a ton of questions about the band's name. Are we able to dispel uh-huh. any myths here right now? Like, what exactly is the story behind the band's name, Third Eye Blind? Um, I've heard three different things, but the simple, you know, even 20, I don't know, a long time ago, he would tell me, oh, it means uh, music for a blind time. I think I know the actual reason, but that's a secret, and I'm never going to tell. I uh, see. So, so but, yeah, I think ultimately it was it was even sort of snarky. Um, at the at the time when he came up with the name in San Francisco, there was a real you know there's a lot of like a big a healing community there and a lot of like you know introspection going on a lot of uh, self help stuff. I think at the time and I think um, you know that represented that was like this you know sort of the third eye represented that and then you know he was just being a like a young punk was like third eye blind out oh, smack you in your third eye right 
you got to understand that Stephen Stephen was like he's kind of he was a rough character back then. He was you know he, he had he had a chip on his shoulder and he he had lived he had uh, taken the vow of poverty to uh, to to work just to decide to just be a songwriter and uh, you know he could have done he's a very very smart person he could have done virtually anything he wanted to do but you know you have to you have to take on that struggle if you want to really develop uh, music and um, do music as a career there's just there's just not really any way around it yeah I was wondering too like with the third eye there's a lot of inference to like psychedelics and dmt and things like that and plant medicine even like ayahuasca and opening the third eye now i didn't know if that was Mm -hmm. something that that the band is kind of open with or ever discusses uh not really i heard my wife mentions ayahuasca more than the band but uh (laughs) we uh we yeah we you know we're not I don't, you know, not opposed to it. We're all for people doing whatever they want to do, but we're we're not uh, we're not we're not really uh, probing those experiences. No, I didn't know if you guys have ever had the experience, and that's maybe what led to the band name. Or no, I don't think so. I think you know, you know, Stephen thinks about the drugs that were going around. They're, you know. So those are the ones, not not the ayahuascas. I feel like that only came into. I, I feel like that's only in the last couple of years that people are really starting to get into that. Yeah, true. Yeah, because I suppose like semi-term life. Before the last couple of years, I, I never even heard the word ayahuasca before two years ago. No, I I'd heard of DMT, but like, the, I guess the psychedelics yeah. and like plant medicine culture. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know what that is. I'm a. Uh, I don't know. I'm all for people doing whatever they want, but that's, uh, I'm not, uh, reality is, works for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. I suppose like with the song Semi-Term Life, it was, it's well known that it's about a time when I think it was Steven and friends went to a Primus concert and I think they were doing Speed or Crystal Meth, something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's possible. You know, the funny thing is I've never even asked Steven, I was like, did you, were you actually doing that? Or just people you were hanging out with doing that? I've never even, I've never even bothered asking him that. We don't really sit around and talk about the lyrics and sing the term too often, you know? I hear you. What's you know, that? Much more, much more interested in, uh, you know, what we're approaching now. And we're really happy just because, uh, you know, we have the, just, we feel like it's taken a long time, but we've, sort of rebuilt the, our band and kind of got all the pieces in place to be able to uh, uh, really put on the really put on the live show that we've sort of been building towards for many many years and uh, we feel like we finally got have all those pieces in place to just go out there and, and really present the uh, experience we want to present with our music. Nice. So the new album, Screamer, is out now, and you guys are touring again a second half of the Screamer tour in 2020, and you'll be coming to Boston in March. Yeah. Right on. Anything else you want to say Love about the tour there. or the album? Uh, no, we're just we're happy with it. People are liking it, and 
we're excited, you know, Boston and the Northeast has always been like a really um, good place for us to play. I think, I think we uh, had a lot of, have had a lot of radio play there and uh, people are aware of us. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's really enjoyable to play that part of the country every time we go. Perfect. Well, uh, thanks for doing this, man. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. You got it. Thanks a lot, bro. Yeah. Have a good day. Baby, I want something else.